0: to Big Nerdy Questions. This is the voice you're probably expecting. Uh, This week, I am back. This is Josh uh, as your host and friendly leader through the nerdverse. And today in Big Nerdy Headquarters, we are pondering what might have been. Not the saddest words ever used by Penn, pen, but instead, what could happen if our favorite characters from books or comics got a proper silver screen adaptation that haven't. We could be talking about characters that have not hit the movie screens at all, or maybe characters that have hit the movies, but we want to forget they ever did. Uh, we're focusing solely on print adaptations here, and we're focusing on the ones that we want to exist, not the ones that we think are really good already. Uh, joining me on this speculative uh, soiree, uh, we have Ed.
1: Soiree is a very, very nice word. Hello.
0: And we have Matt. So fancy.
1: You had to raise your pinky finger when you said it.
0: (laughs) Pinkies out,
2: gentlemen. Pinkies
0: out. And I want to give a big round of applause to Ed for last week for taking us through Gateway Anime. I uh, have not had a chance to watch any yet because uh, behind-the-scenes moment here... We just recorded the episode you listened to last week about an hour ago, uh, so I haven't had a chance to watch anything yet. But I will be uh, reporting back to you, fellow uh, listeners, about my progress. So thank you, Ed, for taking us through that incredible journey.
1: No problem, Josh, but you're lying. I know you've already binge-watched over 900 episodes of One Piece already since we recorded. Well,
0: I, <laughs> yes, I also started my animating Gungan Wing.
1: Oh, God.
0: Uh, I did. <laughs> uh, so it, it's coming soon. The ears are the beck That's the tagline I'm going with. Uh, I do have two shout-outs that I want to do. Recently, uh, yours truly took a trip to Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Charm City. And uh, contrary to Seafs, it's actually a really quite awesome city in the downtown area. And I went to two amazing stores where nerds of the Baltimore area will really love to check out. Uh, the first is Gorilla King Comics, located in uh, historic Fells Point. An amazing selection of new comics, graphic novels, figurines, and my favorite part, they have full, huge bins of comics for $1, and I got a couple out-of-print comics, one Star Wars and one Wonder Woman. Uh, So uh, thank you, Gorilla King Comics. A great store. You should check it out. I also want to give a special shout-out to The Book Escape, uh, which is up there in my list of favorite used bookstores anywhere in the country. It is in two historic buildings connected to each other in the Federal Hill District of Baltimore. Uh, their book selection was amazing. Uh, as a history person, I found so many great history books there that were old and out of print. I got an 1890 book uh, published about North Carolina Revolutionary War history delivered to the Maryland Historical Society, so that's an amazing find. In fact, I did not open it because I already had a copy. But they found in the book, two days after I was there, an autographed copy of The Audacity of Hope by Barack Obama. Mm. Uh, So just on their shelves. Uh, So the book Escape, and not only do they have a lot of nonfiction, and they specialize in nonfiction in Russian literature, Russian history as well, they have a huge fiction selection, plenty of sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and other uh, fiction for your nerdy palate. So if you are in Baltimore, please check out those two places also I got a, a shout out to uh, the the Smithsonian, the National Aquarium uh, in Baltimore is amazing one of the best places you can visit in the country you will enjoy yourself you will meet some amazing animals there uh, that you you, you will want to be Aquaman after you leave that place uh, and also a special shout out to urban pirates uh, it is literally what it sounds like they take you on a pirate cruise uh of the Baltimore Inner Harbor. We went at night and it was a, a drinking allowed cruise. Much revelry was had. In fact my wife and I got remarried on the pirate ship uh by our pirate captain. So it was a lovely time in Baltimore and I wanted to make sure I shout out those places because they all deserve to be recommended as not necessarily big nerdy recommendations, but my personal recommendations very nice. Uh, With that, Matt, who's our sponsor for tonight's program?
2: Well, Josh, tonight's episode is brought to us by Slice Bread. Slice Bread, the best thing since Betty White.
0: (laughs) And that is correct, because Betty White predates Slice Bread.
2: By two years. Yep. Uh,
0: And Matt, I believe you also have the ignominious honor of providing us with our big nerdy recommendation of the evening.
2: Well, I'm I'm going to turn this one a bit odd I know usually we tend to recommend science fiction or fantasy related things but I'm actually going to recommend a uh, small series of novels and by small I mean there's 29 of them the author actually uh, passed away while she was in the process of writing the 30th so uh, it it was never published and it's called The Cat Who and it, these are... Uh, they're all mysteries. And the main character is named uh, Jim Quilleran. Uh, he goes by James McIntosh Quilleran. This is his full name, I believe. And his, uh, his parents are long gone. His father took him and cut off all contact with his mother because his parents didn't like her, and then he was actually killed while attempting a burglary. So, he never knows his parents, but he has an aunt who lives in the uh, middle of nowhere. It's actually a the name of the town. I know it's in Moose County, and they say it's 400 miles north of everywhere. And it's actually a town based on a small town the author used to live in back in the 60s. But the first several books, he's actually living in a place called The City, which is a clear analog to Detroit. And uh, he's a journalist who had a massive battle with uh, alcoholism. And he's now at the start of the books, he's a recovering alcoholic. He's trying to get his journalism career back on track. And the first several books happen in Detroit. And then after that, When he uh, goes to visit his aunt, uh, spoiler for one of the books, uh, he winds up inheriting a massive fortune on the condition that he stays in the middle of nowhere town. And so he actually winds up converting an apple barn on the estate into a house and begins living in it. And he becomes kind of a local philanthropist and still works with the local newspaper, and he and his two Siamese cats solve mysteries. And it's, it, it's got a very young adult feel to it. I, I read it a lot uh, growing up. I, I started into it when I was about 10 years old, and I kept reading them all the way up until the, uh, until the author released her last book.
0: And I think it wouldn't be too surprising to say, to go ahead and segue into our discussion for the night, that Matt, I believe that Mr. Quilleran is your first pick for a hero he that is. deserves a cinematic adaptation. He is.
2: And it, uh, I think it would, be, it would make an interesting series of films. Not necessarily with the longevity of, say, James Bond, but... I I think you could get a good series of probably short mystery films out of it, like 90 minutes to two hours. And I, I think it really would be interesting because the way it's written, I really think you could honestly get a good number of PG rated movies out of it. And it would, I think, appeal to younger readers, younger viewers, you know, early teens, And perhaps convince them, well, you know, the film's, if the film's good, maybe they're going to go and start reading the books. And, you know, you and I being librarians by training, we're always going to be in approval of things that encourage children to read.
0: Absolutely. And I think this is the kind of series that would engage kids. I think it's a more modern version of Murder, She Wrote. I kind of feel like that is the vibe when I read it, but. Something that with more cats, up, yes. Yeah, with more cats, yeah. Um, as, as long as they don't make the cats CGI like Garfield.
1: Oh,
0: oh, oh did you have to bring that up? <laughs> and, there was
1: a, and there was a sequel. There was.
0: Wasn't that Bill Murray?
1: Yes, unfortunately. The, he had a line in, in uh, the movie Zombieland, right, where he's dying. He said, I don't regret anything. Well, maybe Garfield.
0: <laughs> uh, Matt, I'm wondering, have you thought about who you think would play Jim Quilleran? Oh,
2: God. Nick Offerman.
0: That's a great pick.
1: Okay, having not read the books, you just made me insanely more interested to read the books. <laughs> <laughs> because you said Nick Offerman.
2: It wouldn't be really a comedic role, but he, he's got the look. He's clearly a skilled actor, and I think he could carry it off pretty well. It would, I think, it would also do good things for his corpus of work and show him to be more than just a com- just a, a comedic actor.
0: Absolutely, and here I was going to say a very trimmed, like a hair trimmed Zach Galifianakis.
2: Mm. I, I think I think no, Galifianakis is too young. Too young. Yeah, I think Gal- because you have, you have to keep in mind uh, Quillarin is he's not a young
0: man. He, he he's. Around his fifties. That's true. someone else who could pull it off is Gary Oldman.
1: Well, I mean, Gary Oldman can about pull anything off if you give him I, enough prep time.
0: I, I think
2: Gary Oldman honestly has a little too much gravitas.
0: Yeah, Nick Offerman. Would I, I, I think, think he would bring good. too
2: much seriousness to the role.
0: You no, know, you probably hit the head on the the uh, hit the nail on the head on that first pick. <laughs> that's that's the one that I would want to see absolutely. I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> And speaking of things we would watch the hell out of, Ed, what's your first pick?
1: You know, I went back and forth on this. Uh, I guess mine would be kind of a, a group scenario, but the main focus would be the character Raven from the Teen Titans. Uh, specifically, uh, what I would like to see done, uh, which if you've seen the uh, Cartoon Network show, the one that came on in the early 2000s of Teen Titans... And they also did something kind of similar in one of the more recent DC direct animated films, and it did not go to big screen, so I'm not going to count it, um, where they deal with her parentage. And for any comic fan or Teen Titans fan, they know that Raven is the uh, half-human, half-demon daughter of an intergalactic being known as Trigon. And, uh, you know, her character is so conflicted and just... I mean, she's a total badass. I think it would be really cool to see that on the big screen. And with the success recently of Wonder Woman, I mean, get more lead female uh, action hero movies out there. I think it, the, the time is now for something like that. Uh, I only assume that you've both watched Teen Titans or at least know the character. What yeah. is your feedback?
0: Raven is a great pick. and, and You know, when I played DC Online... One mm-hmm. of the most memorable levels was when you went inside Raven's head, and you had to fight oh, a yeah. demon out of her psyche. And uh-huh. that's, the, I mean, that's the kind of Inception kind of storyline you can do with her character. Plus, Trigon is such an over-the-top villain that you—that would be such a juicy role for somebody to come in and play. Yeah, I don't think there's. And let's be let's be fair. Trigon has no relationship to Trigon, the anime recommended last week.
1: The
0: yeah, uh, yeah, Trigon, G O N. But yeah. it gets a lot into Greek mythology a little bit too. Uh, you could even incorporate the DC character Ares into the story. Uh, I, she also integrates with Wonder Woman very well. So there's yes. you, there's a lot of potential. You could even have a Wonder Woman Raven movie, and that I sets mean, up Raven for her own. I would be okay with that.
1: I mean, ideally to me, I would see this as if the DC Universe branched out like Marvel has done, and they establish the Teen Titans, and then that be one of the first movies they do is her taking the lead, uh, being the central focus, and then they just kind of retell that story for the mass audiences. I think that would be
0: amazing. I agree. I think that's a great one. And honestly, my next pick is also DC Comics. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go into novels a little bit uh, and a little bit later, but my favorite DC comic book character that's never been given its due on the movie screen is John Jones, aka the Martian Manhunter.
1: And I thought you were going to say Booster Gold.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Martian Manhunter, for some reason that I cannot fathom, has been deleted. From the Justice League canon in recent years, been replaced by Cyborg. But Martian Manhunter is such a better character. No offense to Cyborg. Martian Manhunter is the last of his race. Hello, Doctor Who. Uh, He is the last Martian, but he is also... He's alien, but he has human characteristics. His powers, he can shapeshift. He can get inside your mind. He can float in space with no, uh, no problems. But he's not as powerful as Superman. But he's just as powerful in other ways. But he's not a game-breaking hero like Superman.
1: His his face, uh, face technique is really, really awesome.
0: It's awesome. It's walking through walls, walking through anything. And the fact that he can be there... Any Think of Odo from Star Trek Deep Space Nine with some other abilities, and you get the kind of character that I'm going at with Martian Manhunter. And in the comics specifically... The narrative focus of Martian Manhunter's own storyline is how does he integrate into life as a human? Because he has to live dated... so In the comics, the biggest uh, storyline for John Jones is how do you live as a human? How do you hide your Martian nature? How do you go about daily life? And it's a true struggle. And for people who don't know about Martian Manhunter going in. You could market this movie and say it's a DC movie about a character who's conflicted with identity. And it could be that halfway through the movie, the audience finds out it's a Martian Manhunter movie. Because you don't, you don't see him as Martian Manhunter until halfway in. And you're just like, who is this random guy hanging out with the Justice League and why is he doing that? Uh, there is so much character to be uh, explored in the story of Martian Manhunter, Martian Manhunter and his development as a character, his agony, his pain, but also his hope, his morality and its challenges, his differences from humanity, and as we know as science fiction fans, the best way to shine a lens on the human condition is to go into the science fiction realm and do something from a perspective other than human. The best stories about humanity in Star Trek are from Data and from Odo, the best story about humanity from DC would be Martian Manhunter. And yes, he has appeared on television in Justice League, uh, which I think is the best adaptation of him on TV, Smallville, and Supergirl. But Martian Manhunter always plays second fiddle in all of those programs. He deserves his own film. And before you say it wouldn't be profitable, Guardians of the Galaxy proved that a science fiction comic film can work and will be profitable even if most of the public doesn't know who the characters are before it debuted. Yep. So I think Martian Manhunter would do very well if made right.
1: Here's how you sell it too: cast Idris Elba as the Manhunter.
0: Oh, hell yeah. I would watch the hell out. Uh, Oh
1: my God. That is the perfect cast for that character in my mind.
0: Oh man. Some of that Luther vibe from, uh, yes, well done, Ed. You just cast him. But that's perfect. I think he would be, I mean, it, I it would, think,
1: yeah. It would draw a crowd just based off the actor, and then if it's written and acted and scripted well, it's a knockout. It, it, I, I had a similar idea for how to do the Green Lantern movie, whereas you only see it through Abin Sur for the entire film. He's the Green Lantern you focus on, and then at the end of the film, and the end of the film, in the climax, he dies defending or fighting against whatever it is. And then the ring passes to Hal Jordan, and that's how the movie ends. I think that would be amazing.
0: Well, you could even use that as a way to focus on the origins of.
1: Yes, I mean you you could build that character up before he even becomes part of the Yellow Lanterns, and I think that would be an awesome you know kind hey, of yeah, setup. Plus, as you well. could even
0: see the uh, the Cat Redland.
1: Yes. Uh. Uh. What, what was his name? Um. Dark Star. Yes. Dex Star. Dex Star. Dex Star. Yeah. <laughs>
0: As voiced by Bradley Cooper, of course.
1: Why not? I mean, <laughs> unless there's some clause in his Marvel contract that allow, d- does not allow him to do uh, work for the competitor.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Martian Manhunter, I've been waiting for that movie for years. I'll probably wait my whole life for that one, but man, it'd be so good. Do he's you agree, Matt?
2: No- uh, I, I, I would watch the hell out of that.
0: <laughs> he's,
1: such a, he's such a noble and sad character that it... That, that speaks to me on a base level, and, you know, you're right. Some of the best moments from Justice League, the animated series, were those dealing with his story. So, yeah. you know, uh, his, his his war against the other uh, alien uh, – were they of Mars? I can't remember.
0: They I were, believe so, but they were not of A him. different race, yeah. different
1: race. And, you know, everything dealing with them and then, uh, you know, throughout the show – and like uh, Justice League, the new frontier of that animated movie, you know, his fear of like fire because of it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways you could go with that. And there's, you know, a lot of potential.
0: Oh, yeah. And you could even bring you could even introduce a villain, you know, because the good thing with with DC and with Marvel, respectively, is they both have so many rogues they could introduce across across different heroes. Yes. So how would Martian Manhunter be able to deal with? with the insanity and the fire of the joker
1: you know if i'm not mistaken and i don't know as much of his backstory as probably you do isn't one of his abilities that i mean he can i won't say mind meld like in star trek but can't he get inside the consciousness of another person or influence their thoughts to an extent okay
0: to an extent but you could also argue that the joker is clinically insane and thus would make yeah, it difficult to do it
1: that that's true as i was saying and i actually started thinking about that uh well i mean his his phasing ability would be very beneficial I mean, he could but
0: overpower the joker would have to be teamed with someone who actually has superhuman abilities yeah but that kind of a character that kind of a wild card would be such an interesting movie but anyway um uh, matt who was your next pick My
2: next pick is a little complicated because there's – so DC, yes, I'm going with a somewhat almost DC character. DC bought a company called Image Comics several years ago, and Image used to own an imprint called Wildstorm. Mm -hmm. And Wildstorm Comics had two great comic series – and I would love to see the Wildstorm universe made into a cinematic universe, especially after it was bastardized with New 52. Because I'm talking about Gen 13. It had a, it had a an animated movie that, and this animated movie makes me very angry because it was not for lack of talent. It was just not well put together, and to, to give you an idea of the voice talent they got onto this, the main characters were voiced by Elizabeth Daly, who we know as Tommy Pickles, Cloris Leachman, what, <laughs> Flea, wow, John Delancey,
1: well that's not bad,
2: and Mark Hamill.
1: Okay, that's not bad at all. Uh, what they was the main had
2: a- amazing talent for this film and well, just botched the hell out of
1: it what was the name of the film
2: gen 13
1: it was just called gen 13 okay yes
2: and it was supposed to tell the origin story of how gen 13 got together and it's just they completely bungled it they didn't put any real money into it and for some god-awful reason it was released in hungary a month before anywhere else and no one knows why. It, it sold like crap and hungry. But the character specifically that I want to talk about is Grunge, who he, he's the character who is actually voiced by Flea. His name is Percival Edmund Chang. And in New 52, they made him a minor villain for
1: Superboy. Wow. He wasn't even with an A-list hero. <laughs>
2: In no. fairness, he he beat the piss out of Superboy. Jeez. Uh,
1: hey, it was created by J. Scott Campbell. He's a good artist.
2: Yeah. It was Jim Lee, Brandon Choi, and J. Scott Campbell created Everyone in Gen 13. Okay. And he has the. He, he's a. Uh, the character is uh, Korean American. And he. Wait, he, is Chinese American? But uh, he. He was born in Hong Kong. He grew up in Seattle. He's a, and he's like the stereotypical grunge music listening slacker from the 90s, like flannel with the arms tied around his waist and everything, like the stereotype of the 90s slacker kid. Everybody knows who this is. He has the power to molecularly bond with anything he touches and take on its properties so he can literally turn into water if he's touching it
0: Ooh. he actually uh,
2: he was be uh, he was being chased down the street and he was he was trying to avoid a fight cuz he didn't want to hurt the people who were who were attacking him and it was just some punk teenagers so he ran past a statue touched it took on its properties jumped up on this little platform and stood still and they ran past him cuz they thought he was a statue because he basically turned himself into a statue. And, you know, it's it's your standard superhero team. But what they are is they're all the descendants of actual superheroes. And they're just teenagers trying to figure things out. Now, I would love to see that as a TV show so that you could get Grunge the movie. And I don't mean give him his own movie. There's actually something called Grunge the movie. It was an issue of the comics. And it was absolutely hilarious. It it was an issue of the comics in which Grunge is pitching his movie idea for an action film to other members of the team. And it was a beautifully executed parody of comic book superheroes. And they actually openly discuss product placement. (laughs) Because... Like there, there's something that's supposed to be happening in a medieval time, and he's sitting there with a PlayStation, and he grabs he grabs a ninja, runs him through with his own sword into a into the front of a Coke machine, and then of course the person he's talking to calls it into question. He's like, "It's product placement. That's how these things make money." <laughs> uh,
1: uh, Matt, I have a question. Um, well, the new 52 is uh, been and gone. Have they done anything with them since rebirth?
2: They have not. Touched the characters since New Fifty Two. Okay, they they literally used all of them as minor characters in, in New Fifty Two, and I'm trying to remember. Let's see. Uh, I believe there was an there was an alternate reality version where they merged Image and Wildstorm universes for for. It was like for a short period of time, and they actually uh had them working for spawn the, Dude. The, <laughs> the well the male characters were like middle level management working for spawn as he ruled uh as he ruled the earth, and the uh females I believe they were forced into his harem, wow. Yeah, that, w- that was that was some pretty star- dark stuff. That was back in, like, the mid-'90s.
1: Did Todd McFarlane get to to draw them in that one, or was somebody else?
2: Uh, that was the Spawn Wildcats series. Um, I know it crossed over with... Uh, it was uh, Scott Clark, mm. but it was written by Alan Moore.
1: Well, that means that he doesn't want that to be turned into a movie, so that particular storyline's never going to Well, happen. it was
2: only four issues. But that I would, I, I would love to see Gen 13 done actual justice. And if they can get Grunge the movie, then they could sequel it with the actual sequel from the comics, Magical Drama Queen Roxy. Which is a uh, dream that one of the characters from the team has that is a parody and absolute lampooning of Magical Girls.
1: Back to our anime episode.
0: Yeah, I I think I want to see a grunge movie now. I think it would um, elicit certain levels of Nirvana. Oh, oh, oh. that and how how often
2: this is. This is one thing I would really like to see about it is the way the character was portrayed in the comics is he's actually a very burly, not not overweight, actual like built like. Like, he's going to hurt you big... Like, the man's, the man's built like a brick wall. How, how often do you see Asian men portrayed as anything other than either anorexic or morbidly obese?
0: Wow. He's an
2: actual, large, muscular Asian man. Nice. And it, it, w- it would be nice to see a character on film that goes wildly and flagrantly in the face of the type casting that we tend to see.
0: I would agree with that. I think that's a great recommendation and it's three DC in a row. Yeah, Ed, yeah you, I
2: know that, that kind
0: of made me worried actually. Ed, are you going to make it four? Well, are we doing another round after
1: this? Uh,
0: I think we got, we'll probably do we a, a rapid fire.
1: Okay. Well then it is going to be four in a row. There is actually something that I've really, really wanted to see. Um, and if done well, I think it could be uh, a very entertaining movie. Um, I'd like to see a Nightwing movie, uh, you know, just Dick Grayson as an adult, uh, which they've not done. I mean, I'm not going to count Chris O'Donnell as Robin because that was garbage and he wasn't technically Nightwing. I would like to see a Nightwing film. Dick Grayson is such an interesting character in and of himself. Uh, I mean, many would argue that he's the true son of Batman, not Damian Wayne, um, and, and you know he had the tragic you know backstory uh, akin to what you know Bruce had, but at the same time he's a very different person. He has more of, for lack of better terms, his it, humanity left. He's more quick to joke about something or you know crack a smile or whatever. I, I think that if a Nightwing movie was done correctly, uh, kind of in the vein of uh, I don't know maybe the Dark Knight trilogy. Or maybe even the way they're doing this new DC cinematic universe, I think it could be really well done.
0: I tell you, the one I would want to see, and I know it seems odd, I want to see Nightwing versus Red Hood.
1: That would be an amazing film. They could even do that as like you know a crossover event where you know uh, Affleck's Batman could come in in the uh, third act.
0: Yeah, I think that that would be amazing to see those two square off. I don't want to say exactly why because it would spoil Red Hood, but for those of you that have read it, you know exactly why.
1: Yeah, precisely. Uh, that would be a great storyline and you know, just have the whole thing set in Bloodhaven and uh, you know, Nightwing is investigating a series of crimes and or murders and then it turns out into a confrontation with the Red Hood. I think that would be a fantastic story.
0: Plus we could see some awesome actions his weapons.
1: Well it, you know, have him be having him be the uh central figure in the movie it does open up, you know, possibilities. You know, he's still if they wanted to write it that way, they could bring in the Titans or just Starfire. They could bring in Batman himself, they could bring in um uh well I mean, with any of these D C movies you could bring in pretty much everybody, but you get what I'm saying.
0: Okay, I have the setup for the Red Hood film. Uh the Titans are attacking uh, like a low-level thug group that's trying to attack Bloodhaven, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Starfire is punching out one of the thugs, and all of a sudden, you just hear, <laughs> and there's a machine gun that takes out everybody, all the thugs and Starfire.
1: Oh, you got the guts to kill Starfire in front of uh, Dick Grayson? This movie's going to get dark in a hurry. <laughs> Damn. That's just the opening scene. Exactly. That's the opening scene. Man, you're not even killing off one of the minor Titans. You're killing off his love interest.
0: <laughs> exactly. Because you are got a whole revenge thing because Batman's code is never killed. Yeah, so that just would... killed the man. He just killed his love. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know what? That would be an
1: interesting character study because I don't think Nightwing would break down and kill, but it's the difference in the two mentalities. Red Hood is killing people, but Nightwing will not. You could and do Red almost. Hood
0: could argue that it would be acceptable collateral damage.
1: Yep. You could almost do the same setup with Damien Wayne, but I like the idea of doing it with Red Hood better. Yeah. With with the history for the comic book fans that's there, and I won't spoil it, that would be such an interesting movie. And they could tie it into this DC Cinematic Universe. That would be really amazing.
0: And can I suggest one more? Can we have a certain uh, internal monologue going on in the Red Hood that features Mark Hamill doing this? ha! <laughs>
1: Oh my God! If it scrap Jared Leto for a moment, and yeah, have Mark Hamill provide the voiceover, that would be amazing. <laughs> oh my God! Uh,
0: geeking out here, nerding out. Oh my God. That
1: that would be such a great film. I would, I'd watch that five times in theaters if it was done right.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, Matt, would you see that film?
1: Yes. It's.
0: I'll watch
2: pretty much anything if Mark Hamill's involved. I mean, let's, let's be honest.
0: And that would be a good use. of I I, uh, I could do more DC characters because, like, Lobo and Solomon Grundy come to mind, but I've got one from a novel. Actually, there's three. Uh, one of my previous big nerdy recommendations on this show was The Baroque Cycle by uh, Neil Stephenson or Stephenson. I've heard both. Uh, and I think the three main protagonists of that book series – Deserve to be cinematically uh, adapted. That would be Daniel Waterhouse, Jack Shafto, and the beautiful yet elusive Eliza. Uh, Daniel the, the Baroque Cycle is a trilogy of books set in the late 15, early 16. Uh, it is at the time of a lot of turmoil in Europe. The a lot of things are going on. The development of calculus by Newton and Leibniz. The development of in, in, initial science and alchemy, but you've also got the start of modern economics and modern empire. There's a lot of things going on in this. And through those three characters, we learn a lot about a lot of different things in the world. Um, Eliza is a former slave of the Barbary pirates. She is liberated. Uh, and then she becomes a courtesan of Louis Fourteenth at Versailles. And then becomes the, one of the head financiers in Amsterdam. Um, Jack Shafto is the rogue amongst rogues. He's the king of the vagabonds. Uh, and he goes around pirating everywhere. In fact, I'm pretty sure Disney based Jack Sparrow off of his character. Uh, and Daniel Waterhouse is a scientist for Locke. I mean, he is a scientist and he works on experiments with Isaac Newton and Hook and Christopher Wren and, the limelights of the, that early period when science was truly becoming a real discipline. Uh, and Waterhouse, actually, his descendants show up in other books by Stephenson, including Cryptonomicon. Uh, those three characters are all so intriguing and so well-described and so well-put-together, and they interact with so many historical figures. They'd make a great feature film series, Honestly, they might even be better off as an HBO series, uh, like a full-scale series. But I would love for them to get the chance to be on the screen. Uh, They certainly deserve it. Those novels bring to life a period of history that most people, even historians, don't know all that much about. So I think it would be a fantastic thing to see. The budget would be astronomical, but it'd be worth it. Have I convinced either of you that it'd be interesting?
1: Uh, you've convinced me that I might want to read the source material. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I am intrigued.
0: Uh, Colleen actually recommended the stories to me. They're one of three of her favorite novels as well. So I'm sure if she were on this episode, she'd recommend it uh, to the listeners as well uh, because they're that good. Uh, Speaking of the listeners, we did reach out on Twitter, and we asked our loyal listeners, our loyal followers on Twitter, of which we have over 3,000 Amazingly, uh, what which ones they would prefer to see adapted, and I'm going to spell it out for ya. Uh, so S A
1: W. Never mind.
0: <laughs> not quite this time, Ed. <laughs> uh, no, the uh, in this case we had um, legless Lego Legolas at Cube who said Jack Kirby's New Gods. And also recommended XO Manowar, which okay. I thought was really well done and nicely played. And we had one other uh, uh, tweeter, and I can't find their t- right now because it was not directly in the thread, but they responded with Fables. No other choice. Fables is the obvious one. And I know that Fables has been made into um, the Wolf Among Us, I believe?
1: Yeah, the Wolf, uh, the wolf Among Us series <clears throat> by Telltale Games, which... If you're a fan of that kind of gameplay, you really should play.
0: But, it, of course, it's not a movie, and I, I think The Fables make a great film. So, obviously, those are great picks. Uh, I'm just going to go through, do we have any other quick picks? Uh, I want to briefly mention the uh, Sigma Force novels by James Rollins. I think the characters in there, Grayson Pierce and Director Crow, make for a great um, tag team of uh, strength. I also want to uh, briefly recommend uh, <clears throat> Clavaine From Alistair Reynolds' books, uh, Redemption Arc and Absolution Gap. He reminds me of Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid, but older. But he's also got augmentations that make him not quite human, but he's still very human. I don't want to say anything much more because it would spoil the plot of two of the best science fiction books, in my opinion, of the past 20 years. Uh, So, Clevane by Alistair Reynolds. Uh, I'd like to get a couple of picks from you guys. So, uh, Matt, what are your other honorable mentions?
2: Uh, honorable mentions. Uh, I'm going to say another one from Wildstorm, actually, is uh, the Wildcats. Uh, it's another kind of hero team that I, I think because they came from such a small imprint, they don't get quite the credit they deserve. And I think they'd make it for an excellent film uh I'm finally gonna bring Marvel into this. I know they've been on a tear lately but I want to see justice done for the surfer
0: yes. y'all, y'all knew it was coming hashtag but, justice for Silver Surfer
1: but why galactus was so well done in that film you lie i
2: will I, I will I will <laughs> cut your tongue from your head if you ever say that again
1: uh,
0: you speak heresy, heresy in my in my dominion sir
2: Good sir. You have dishonored me, and I must
0: challenge you to a duel for honor. Hello, my name is Matt. You have dishonored my hero. Prepare to die.
1: I do not think that what means what you think it means.
0: And
2: something that... Th- this might be a little out there, but I think it might be interesting to see as a film. You know Magic the Gathering is actually also a series of novels.
1: Yes, uh, I've yes. read a few. Yeah. I would love...
2: I would love to see... Some part of that story done on the big screen. It would would, be, I know it would take doing, but I'd like to see it.
1: But would something like that in your mind be better served to a feature length live action film or a feature length for intended for a more mature audience adult film? And I, when I say mature, I mean like the thirteen and up age grade age group. Being
2: completely blunt, uh, with if it were to be an animated film, I don't think it would draw
1: the crowds. Probably not, but as a as a fan, which would you prefer to see?
2: I would honestly prefer live action. Okay. The effects budget would have to be absolutely obscene,
1: but... Well, uh, oh. to, to be fair, I, I'm not a Warcraft player, but I watched the film that came out last year, and I thought the visuals were really well done. It, I don't know if anybody else saw the Warcraft movie, but...
0: From what I, I have he- strong what negative seen opinions about the story. Yeah, the... Uh... <laughs> The graphics were good, but that's only praise yeah. I can leap on it.
2: Yeah, the, 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 are... visually it was beautifully executed. The other I, parts. Uh...
0: Well, I, I think we're
1: due for another strong fantasy series to be uh, in the media and in the in the cinemas. Wheel of Time. Well, that's a good choice. That, it, uh, but I think it would be better served to an HBO series.
0: Yeah, and you're
2: right. I, I think Magic the Gathering already has such a large corpus of work that it would be a lot easier to adapt the stories just because they've got so much to work with already.
1: They've been doing yeah. lore, lore for this stuff for 30 years, haven't they? Or mm-hmm. a little less, probably. I I enjoy playing the game, but I was never uh, <laughs> above average in skill. There,
2: is uh, so-
1: somewhere
2: in North Carolina, there is a car with the license plate, Add Three Mana.
1: Nice. <laughs>
2: it is a solid black Lotus Elise.
1: Oh, that's even better.
2: <laughs> somebody,
1: somebody thought I, I be- that.
2: I believe the guy lives in Charlotte.
1: Uh, you know, again, this is an aside. I, I saw a, uh, personal, uh, a, uh. A vanity license plate or whatever, you know, one of those personalized ones that you pay extra for on the way home from work the other day, and it was Nerf Herder. Nice.
0: Yeah. Nice. I
1: I was very impressed.
0: Speaking of impressed, Ed, what are your honorable mentions?
1: Okay, um, you know, kind of going along with what Matt was just saying, but in in a slightly different uh, direction, uh, whereas Magic's had books for years, the D&D has had books for years as well, the Forgotten Realms uh, series of novels and spin-offs. Uh, a suggestion I would have uh, would be a series maybe based off the Icewind Dale trilogy uh, with the lead character Drizzt Do'Urden, which is a uh, and I probably butchered the pronunciation. I couldn't get the author to pronounce it for me when I met him in person. He said just just make it up in your head, but. It, it's a uh, story about a drow elf, which for anybody that plays D&D knows is like a um, stereotypically an evil race of like subterranean elves that have dark skin. And he's the central hero of the story. So I think that uh, and they deal a lot with race and equality in, in the stories, and he's, he's a flat-out hero. So that, that'd be kind of interesting to be brought to the main, you know, the big screen. Uh, Another one in the vein of uh, Mysteries, which we've talked about a little bit, they're doing an HBO or a a Showtime adaptation, but I'd like to see a movie adaptation, and I've recommended the series before. The uh, Cormoran Strike uh, detective novels by J.K. Rowling of Harry Potter fame, those are some fantastically written detective stories. They're more for adults than kids as opposed to – what was the other series, The Cat Who? Yes. Yeah, uh, this would be more geared towards uh, PG thirteen to R rated audiences, and uh, I think that would be an interesting uh, adaptation. Uh, uh, one other I think might be interesting. It's already had a TV program, uh, but it I didn't like it. Uh, there's a there's another fantasy series called um, The Sword of Truth. Which I don't know if I've actually spoken about on this podcast before. Written by Terry Goodkind, uh, the main series was like 13 or 14 books, but it's you know high fantasy, uh, swords and sorcery, good versus evil. I mean, there's a lot of ground that they cover with individual story arcs within uh, you know respective books within the series. But I think that would be an interesting one to do as well because I think we're we're at a point now where we need that next big fantasy. Series like I said, and uh, those were just the ones that came to mind. Um,
2: Ed, speaking of uh, since you had mentioned D anD D, I realized you were talking specifically about the Icewind Dale series. Yes, but uh, did you know that there actually was an anime uh, that was a essentially them animating a D anD D campaign?
1: An anime? I knew there was a Dungeons and Dragons cartoon back in
2: there. What, there was the 80s? an anime? Uh, called Record of Lodos War.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah,
2: and uh, it was actually an excellent anime. And all it was was that they took the transcript of an actual D and D campaign back in the '80s and made an anime out of it.
1: <laughs> that's pretty awesome. And I, I've it, heard of this. It the se- was
2: amazing.
1: I've heard and nothing but good I, things about the series. But I, I think what we might have discussed off air—that's out of print, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Uh, Actually, Funimation, in the last several months, bought the distribution rights.
1: So I'll have a chance to watch it. So there
2: is a possibility it may be going back into print.
1: Funimation has been buying up uh, properties here recently. They got the rights to distribute the Big O, which is a mech series that I really enjoy, as well as Outlaw Star, which was another show we briefly talked about in the last episode. uh, Well, the
2: Pioneer and Four Kids being gone, there's a lot of property there's a lot of distribution rights to be bought up.
1: Precisely. Yeah. I love it. it. It's nothing but good news because you get some of these older shows that you didn't have access to anymore. That's great. And Josh, is sitting, Josh is sitting there falling asleep. because.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just, I, I love all those picks, but Matt, there's one character I'm surprised you didn't mention. Dr. IG88.
1: Oh, wow. That would have be, been uh, an interesting, like, uh, I, Tales don't from, if,
0: I,
2: I don't know if he'd be able to carry an entire film.
1: Okay, but like, what about the? I I know we're kind of bending the rules of what we established, but what about Tales of the Bounty Hunters? We could just they could do like an anthology film, you know.
2: Tales of the Bounty Hunters. If it was done as a series of shorts, yeah, like put into a single,
1: you can have it. It would be hard to do. Think about it like this. You know how Tarantino historically does films where, like Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs or whatever, where there's a bunch of characters that have their own plot threads going, but then they kind of intersect at the end of the movie? Yeah. That might work.
2: Yeah, but that's that's not how, it, well, I was going to say it's not how it works for the books, but it tells that the bounty hunter spawn entirely from a single scene in The Empire Strikes Back.
1: So. Where they're they all standing so, on the bridge, Vader's giving yeah.
2: them, okay. When, when Vader's hiring all the bounty hunters, every single person who's standing there as a bounty hunter, that's the people who are the bounty hunters in Tales of the Bounty Hunters.
1: Yeah, uh, Bosk, or is it Bosch? Bosk.
0: Bosk, yeah. So it would go I, full circle to go back and have their own movie. Yeah. Which I know there's a Boba Fett movie in the works, but I'd rather see the other ones.
1: Oh, joy, because the fanboys do not love Boba Fett enough. Sorry, I'm revisiting old grudges.
2: Honestly, what what I think would make an amazing film, rather than IG-88, I would actually love to see Shadows of the Empire.
1: I was just thinking that. Give me Dash Rendar.
2: Oh, I would adore a Shadows of the Empire film. It was an amazing book. It was an amazing video game. Plus they shoot Nintendo 64.
1: Yeah Shizor as a villain. Oh man, that would have been awesome on screen.
2: Of like I I, I I would pay actual real money to watch that. I would
1: too.
0: Of course the sad thing is eventually we would get Jar Jar Binks meets the Yu Song Vong.
1: <sighs> Why not? He's already I, in he's already in a mobile suit. Oh, and by
2: the way, bringing this full circle in Shadows of the Empire who does Dash fight but Boba Fett and IG-88?
1: You know what? Let's make this happen. Let's call Kathleen Kennedy right now and say, hey, look, you got to rethink your whole Legends uh, exclusivity that you're doing here. We're going to make this movie happen. But it would never work. Mark Hamill's too old. Sadly, Carrie Fisher isn't with us. It'd have to be an animated film. That's true
0: curses?
1: Yeah, I mean all the actors are too old to do it or are respectively no longer alive. Could you
0: revamp the plot with the characters from the new trilogy?
1: Not really. I mean how would you incorporate Dash Rendar into the new You you can't
2: and I can't say it without spoiling it.
0: Okay. Well that's that then folks. (laughs) (laughs) So But I talk. think we had a lot of great choices on this episode. Well, if
2: you're okay with me completely spoiling the ending of Shadows, Shadows of the Empire...
1: Well, let's be fair. That book's like 20 years old. I think you're okay. Yeah. He dies. Quote Air quotations. Yeah. Bec- because in the comic book sequel, which I don't know if you've ever read, called uh, Shadows of the Empire... Uh, oh, God, what was the subtitle? I don't remember. But it shows at the very end of that, he's alive. And it's a, it, it was supposedly canonical at the time, um, because uh, what was the female cyborg? Was it Guri? Guri? G-U-R-I? Uh, she's Orz's assistant. I don't know. Anyway, uh, through the course of that story, uh, she has her own adventure and comes face-to-face with Luke Skywalker and all this stuff. And at the end of it, Dash Rendar is alive at a cantina with, uh, oh, what was his sidekick's name? It was a droid, wasn't it? Was it Lebo? Maybe uh, it's been a long time since I've read it, but it, it, long. Well, it doesn't really matter. Within the confines of the Shadows of the Empire s- story itself, it it appears that he is dead at the end of the book.
0: We wouldn't work, but a good idea nonetheless.
1: Yeah, and he's very
2: clearly dead at the end of the game. <laughs> Sad times. Or actually, no.
1: I think at the end of the game, it showed him slipping into hyperspace. No, I'm was? sorry.
2: No, he he fakes his death.
1: That's right. He doesn't Very the
2: convincingly. Yep. Because he fakes his death when he destroys the skyhook.
1: That's it. They think he he died in the explosion of the skyhook.
2: It's very convincing. I uh, I I remember the scene of him dying. And I completely forgot the part where he escapes.
1: Yeah, that's right.
2: Well, I guess I have to go replay that game. huh?
1: Well, like you know, that, that, that's such a you know hard thing to do. If I had if I had a copy of it right now, I'd play it because I enjoyed playing the uh, the defense of Hoth level and the Skyhook level the most.
0: Well, I think that that is a good place to stop our discussion. This topic. There are so many more books and comic characters that deserve adaptation that we definitely want to hear from you. So please let us know on Twitter. We are at B Podcast. Or send us an email, bnqfeedback at gmail.com. If you listen to the show and you like us, or even if you just tolerate us as background noise, please go to Apple Podcasts or your streaming or downloading place of choice and give us a rating and a review. We really, really would appreciate it. And honestly, that's the only way you're going to get other nerds to hear what we have to say and grow our community here at Big Nerdy Headquarters. Uh, we are very happy that we have over over a um, thousand downloads and over 30,000 hits from streaming sites. We are very happy with that but we know we can do more and so if you really like our show, please give us a rating and review. Uh, in fact, if you send me a, a screenshot of the review after you've posted it to our email bnqfeedback at gmail.com or to our Twitter at BNQ podcast. I will let you, yes, you listener, provide us with a big nerdy recommendation. Uh, so I think that's a pretty good. I think that's a really good reward. And it, we um, might
1: we might get some new stuff to experience ourselves. So that's pretty exactly
0: awesome. exactly. So and you can even record it and send it to us as audio if you'd like, or we can read it on the air. Uh, but that is uh, something that we can look forward to. But uh, I want to thank you all for your picks. Uh, thank you, Ed. Thank you, sir. And thank you, Matt.
2: I believe there is one other order of business. there is. one
0: other thing. We have to adapt to the situation that Jar Jar Binks must die. So, Matt, as you shall do, kill the Gungan!
2: Well, Josh, thinking he had escaped the prequels with his life, Jar Jar went on to live a quiet life for a while, until one day he decided he needed some more money and got a job working in a junkyard. And in that junkyard, he got caught up in a battle between Jash Rendar and IG-88, in which he was fatally wounded by having IG-88 rip his head from his shoulders while cursing his misfortune at being surrounded by so many meatbags. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: nice he,
0: he went full sub-zero on Jar Jar nice no, nice. well done Matt and there is one note at here at the end you have just listened to the 49th episode of Big Nerdy Questions which means the next episode we're going to release is a milestone episode 50 I've been hyping up on Twitter that it's a big deal
2: but Josh what topic could be so important to be able to be our 50th episode.
0: Here it is, fans. For listening to this whole episode, you are going to know, before everyone else, episode 50, featuring special guests and the entire B&Q panel. Who's the better captain, Kirk or Picard? Oh, Lordy, get your hand,
2: fans. We're getting the vapors.
0: We are getting into the fundamental question of nerddom. Weird Al Yankovic asked it in White and Nerdy. The only question he ever thought was hard was did he like Pukirk or did he like Picard? We're going to answer that question next week on the Milestone 50th episode of Big Nerdy Questions. Until that time this is Josh telling you to live long, prosper and avoid IG-88. Good night everybody. (laughs)